what we should all realize is that we can't just complain about those people there above in Berlin or the politicians, but we all have a role to play in making um, democracy work. Mostly Awesome, a podcast about the wins and fails of innovators, brought to you by CDTM in Munich. As you might have noticed, we try to give as many different perspectives in this podcast as possible. Having had people from research, entrepreneurship, consulting and sports, we're missing one essential field that is touching all of our lives. That is politics. Not giving the stage to one specific party, we are excited to talk to Caroline Weimann in this episode. Caroline has started the initiative Join Politics, which has as a mission to open up unusual ways into politics. It finances political talents and tries to apply the disruptive and innovative nature of entrepreneurship to politics. Sounds complicated? Our guest will explain the concept in more detail. Caroline did her master's in international studies and public administration and previously worked at the EU Commission in NGO consulting and impact investing. So she really seems to care about the societal impact of her work. I admire Carolina for being so passionate and idealistic in what she does, or as she would phrase it, political entrepreneurship is the new shit. Before we get to that, let me give you an overview of what to expect in this episode. In our first blog, we will find out more about Carolina's personal journey towards politics. We will discuss some differences between social entrepreneurship and politics, and Carolina lets us know why she personally chose one over the other. Or did she? She tells us more about the work they do at Giant Politics and how they try to bring the agile and fast-paced startup mentality into the political landscape. In our second block, we try to find out if the political path is actually as tiresome as it is sometimes perceived, and why yet it might be worth it. We ask what characteristics make you the perfect fit to go into politics. We also touch upon some best practices to make an informed decision at the Bundestagswahl and as always finish the episode with our toolbox. Stay tuned for all of that. Hi Caroline, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to talking to you today. Hi Lisa, hi Tim, very happy to be here. So let's start right into this. You studied modern languages and literature at Oxford in your bachelor's and then decided to join a master's program with a focus on international studies. So how and when did you gain interest in politics? Well, to be honest, I was always a political person and interested in politics, even though I wasn't so acutely aware of it, maybe. And I have to say that literature studies or the literature studies that I did were actually very political in a way. So most authors that I studied were really like acute observers of their times, of their societies, philosophies and of politics at their times. You know, be it Voltaire or Rousseau or in German uh, literature, Thomas Mann, Günther Grass. So this was always something that was around me. But I have to admit that I, they had a... I had um, sort of various different interests and passions and another one of these was the arts. So after my bachelor's I first worked at the Louvre Museum in Paris with the curator there and after that I did an, a traineeship at the European Commission in Brussels and this was very valuable uh, work experience for me where I also realized that the area in which I want to have an impact in my life was more the political field, um, mm -hmm. which is why I chose uh, the, the master's uh, degree um, that I did. But also, to be honest, it was only a couple of years later that I really started getting actively engaged in politics. This was really around 2015 or 16. Super interesting. Before you founded Joint Politics, you actually were working for a charitable organization, which is Siemens Stiftung. So what actually led you to change from the foundation job to founding your own organization in politics? Yeah, so at Siemens Foundation, what I did was mostly uh, building up social enterprises and supporting social enterprises in developing regions. I was convinced that this is really the way to bring about uh, change uh, in, these, in these countries, but also overall to, to really you know, enable people and countries to, to be independent and free. But the more I worked in this area, the more I also realized that the big questions and the big lever 
is actually a political one, that the big questions of our times need to be decided politically. And this view, actually it was 2015, 16, I mentioned it, was the time when I looked back at Germany and Europe and started thinking about, you know, Germany's and Europe's role in the world and what about their independence and how are things developing there. We had various crises, financial crisis, migration crisis, culminating in really political events that, that worried me. And this was especially in 2016 when we saw Trump was elected, we saw Brexit, we saw the rise of the AFD in Germany. And I realized also in my direct surroundings with friends and family and, and all sorts of um, people in, in, my, in, in my world that, that we started thinking differently about politics and with some people that we really weren't on the same level anywhere, anymore, that we couldn't talk about politics anymore. And this I found was really unsettling. And that's why I started really getting engaged in politics um, and starting. I wasn't member of a political party, but I started like after Brexit, we, we thought about young people and whether they go vote or not. And we started a big um, sort of, uh, voter activation campaign for the European elections, thinking about how we can activate and motivate young people to vote. And I saw how much... Um, uh, passion a lot of people had for politics and good ideas people have for politics and how many especially also young people are interested in politics and really ready uh, people who told me you know I'd be ready to take responsibility and do something about it but so few of these people then eventually jump into politics you know a lot of people talk about it a lot of people complain mm -hmm. about it but when nobody really does something and that's what um, I thought about a lot and I started thinking about whether um, I could adapt some of the learnings I had from in the social entrepreneurship field where a lot of young people go to to the political world and whether we can transfer some of what is attractive in social entrepreneurship to politics. And this is how the idea of joint politics um, developed. Yeah. And before we jump more into like this kind of why not becoming a politician and rather staying on the on the business side, maybe about the social entrepreneurship topic, because We've also had an episode with uh, Saskia Broyston. She's like CEO at Yunus Social Business and they do a lot of this social entrepreneurship investing as well. So what were kind of the things that, I mean, bothered you in this field that you said, okay, no, I, I actually want to switch to politics and that you, I mean, because quantifying this lever that you talked about is very hard. So like, what were the factors that you said, okay, I think politics I'm better off with than with social uh, entrepreneurship. I wouldn't say that I'm better off. It's an equally tough field uh, to be working in. And I think social entrepreneurship, you know, social business, they're, they're doing really amazing work. I think what, what I found was two things. And one is that also social business has its limitations in a way that you can change things to a certain extent, but eventually at the pace that the developments of our times or the challenges are rising, it's not enough um, to work on, on social business models, but we actually have to take sort of courageous political um, decisions. Um, so if we look at um, digitalization and platform economies and what this does, there's also a lot of regulation topics that, that need to be tackled. When we look at how, men, how few people basically own the, the greatest wealth and power in the world, and this is becoming more stronger and stronger, this is not something we'll be solving with social business. This, this is like, there's big political questions to be solved. And, and I think that's why it is so important. Um, and I think um, what's also interesting to think about, and I'm, I'm actually reading a book about this, it's called uh, Winners Take All, um, The Elite Charade of Changing the World. It's talking a lot about um, sort of the fallacies that you can transfer from the startup world um, into wanting to change the world, that you have to question some of the logics that we have in business that may be different when we really want to bring change um, and, and that we also can't transfer to, to politics eventually. So these are just yeah. two points, I think. I mean, uh, talking about time frame-wise, I mean, with social business, you like can see the impact quite directly. I mean, you also said that you um, supported like in developing countries directly the businesses, while now kind of with the focus on politics, you're back to like changing Europe uh, or Germany and then potentially having an impact on those other countries by, I don't know, like uh, indirect decisions or supporting them as a country. But that's like a very far reach. 
so is this time frame something that you notice now like okay the the impact that i have might come much later or how, how do you think about that yeah i think impact measurement is is difficult i think in both worlds right also for social entrepreneurship it, it can be difficult also you get to the point where you have to decide is it you know, is it more impact or is it more the business side that you're going to follow? But for, for politics, of course, the, the impact time frame is, is a challenging one. And we know that if we start supporting people now with specific ideas or if we say, you know, eventually we want to find the next chancellor of Germany, we know that, you know, we, we'll only know in maybe 10 years from now whether we found her or not. Um, and then this person also hasn't reached her, her or his goal once she's elected. But that's another step yet for this person to be successful and to bring about change that has a positive social or ecological impact. So um, this is definitely a challenge. But what I strongly believe in is that change is brought about by individuals. And you always need individuals who have passion and drive and a willingness to change things. And um, I just believe that if we find and support the people with the right ambition who get active in politics, then this is the most important thing we can do to really achieve change over a certain period of time, even if it's hard to measure for the time being. Mm. I, I think also another thing that is important to think about is that, you know, the challenges are moving so fast nowadays. This is climate change. This is digitalization, which mm. we just talk about. Um, th these changes happen so fast, it's sometimes hard to grasp. And politics is something that can be very slow. And, and it can be take a long time till you bring about change. But this is also something that, that we think about a lot at Joint Politics because we realize with the challenges that we have, politics can't remain that slow. So maybe we need to create this, the, a space or a room where we can develop solutions fast. And if they work, we bring them into the system, in the political system. This is like the startup approach, right? Or the startup thinking. Develop something from the outside and then bring it in. And I think this, this is um, an important thing to think of when we talk about pace and, and how fast you can achieve change. And this is the way we try to contribute to impact in the political field by bringing in sort of the, the fast movers from the outside. Yeah, this sort of explains a little bit why you're doing joint politics instead of being uh, in politics yourself. But I would still be interested. Have you ever considered becoming a politician yourself? I have considered it, uh, but currently what I think is, you know, if I manage or if we with joint politics and everyone around manage to change politics in a way that in 10 years, I will say I really want to go into politics, then I have reached my goal. But right now, I, I could actually totally think, uh, see myself working on, on like com local or communal politics, not necessarily right now on a national level, but this is just a personal personality thing, I guess. And... I think right now I'm just in a, in a good position where I am, like, you know, working on in a non-partisan way, trying to sort of connect people, um, build bridges and contributing to the collective debate from the neutral position that I am in with joint politics right now. You maybe, because this sounds, it sounds like a bit like magic. Usually with the startup and the corporate, I think it ties together quite well. You're coming with a new approach and that is maybe sometimes something that corporates struggle with. But in politics, isn't it really hard to to like use the startup approach? Startups are always like have this goal of, of maybe making money. So maybe you could uh, could like bring an example yep. or just like tell us a bit about joint politics and how how you tackle this issue of slow moving politics right now. Yeah, so I think there's there's various aspects to it. Um, the way the way we support um, people with ideas um, has some similarities with like startup incubators. So mm. the program works such that, you know, people apply or we, we, we find people and encourage them to apply. Um, then there is a program of first, uh, like a seed phase of six months where we give start capital, network, know-how. And then in this time frame, people sort of test their idea. They can make mistakes. They can, they can try a new way. Um, but really, we also expect like some first visibility of impact in these first uh, six months. 
Mm -hmm. um, and after six months, you pitch in front of a larger committee um, of people who then have like, a democratic debate about the approach and think about, you know, can this work? Should it be scaled? Do we make it, uh, do we support this team to make it big? So mm -hmm. this, that, like, like the framework that we offer is similar to like a startup incubator, basically. And of course, uh, in politics, it can be very challenging to do something in six months because a lot of things take longer. But it's also like a time frame that we set because we want people to test and fail fast, but also at some point take the decision, okay, maybe it won't work, so I better do something else. So because in, in the nonprofit world, you often have this issue that people keep and stick to one approach for maybe too long even even if eventually it won't work because you don't have this this direct sort of feedback loop or does it you know are the numbers red or black <laughs> and so so this is the the one thing and when i talk about startup approach it's also a question of mindset actually this this mindset of testing things uh maybe failing have be you know the, mm -hmm. the view that it's okay to fail and to test something and to change it is a very, like a, a, a startup, more of a startup mindset. Um, and this is something that I think we don't have enough in politics or we don't have the space in politics to make mistakes and to test things. I mean, we've seen this in the, in the corona uh, crisis now, how, how difficult it is to, to take a decision and then change, uh, change your decision and still keep the trust of the population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so this is something that we want to open up people's minds for, that even in politics, it's okay to make mistakes because even politics is never perfect. And, and we need to test things in order to eventually find the right solution. So this is a mindset change we also yeah. hope to bring to politics. Yeah, so then the, the people who are applying to, to the program, are they then entrepreneurs themselves and have like a company who support somewhere in the in politics or public administration or so on, or are these actually people involved, like ha having a position within politics? These are very different people, actually. So we have some entrepreneurs who, who apply because after some time they realize, actually, I want to make a change in, in politics. So we have, for example, um, Verena Huberts, who founded Kitchen Stories and um, her other passion is politics and she said now I've you know I've done I've done um, uh, kitchen stories now I want to how, how do you say in English I want to move the big wheel um, and and she has uh, great ideas for politics and we're supporting her to work on one of these uh, solutions but she's running for the German parliament right now so this is an example of an entrepreneur personality who who is who says I, I'm going to take everything I have, my ideas, my personality, my startup way of thinking into politics. But we also have um, young people who come right out of university. We have uh, Luca, who's just 21. But we also have um, people who worked in a corporate uh, context before and said, I have this idea, I want to test it. I'm doing a political sabbatical. I want to take six months to test the idea. If it works, I'll continue with my political way. If it doesn't, I'll, I, I might return to my job. So those are very, very different uh, people that, that we attract, luckily. Okay, but what, what can an idea actually mean? I mean, for like, thinking about products or something that, that's rather something we're used to, but thinking about ideas in the political landscape is maybe something that we haven't been so familiar with. So maybe can you give an example of what an idea like this looks like? Mm -hmm. Maybe this, this person I was just talking about, the political sabbatical, that's uh, Susanne Zells. And her idea um, or the vision that he, she has is to have a European agency for political education, similar to the agency that we have in Germany, but for, for Europe. And uh, this idea, she's, she used our um, sort of the, uh, in the seed program of joint politics. Um, she took the time off to really work out this idea and to reflect it with lots of different people, um, with politicians, with people uh, working in, in, in political education, etc. And she is currently trying to bring this idea into the, uh, into the European Parliament because this is where um, this idea would have to be scaled. So this is like an idea that she developed and that she's bringing into the political institutions from the outside. And hopefully this, this idea will uh, we'll be decided now in, in September or October and tested and implemented by the, by the parliament. This is just one, one example. So then it's also a lot about like identifying who would be, so maybe I have an idea and then 
I can elaborate on it and then I have to identify the person who would be then responsible for implementing this actually in parliament or wherever that is and then I have to talk to that person and convince them basically to yeah to bring that into parliament yeah so I think one of the things that all political entrepreneurs have to think about is um, who they need to convince uh, to make their idea happen. So in her case, this would not be only one parliamentarian, but actually a number of parliamentarians and of parties and fractions in, in the parliament who have to stand behind this idea. And she, basically, you have to win majorities, right, to bring through your, your idea. Mm -hmm. And this can be parliamentarians, others who, who will be also running for politics, they have to win majorities of people who vote for them. Or if you have a specific idea, you need to have a number of signatures So, in order to bring it into parliament, to have it debated there. So I think this is like the, the market that you have to think about is always developing a product or an idea in this case that really the majority of people thinks is good. Mm -hmm. And this is also why in our program we encourage all, all the, the political entrepreneurs to really talk to a variety of people and not and really get out of their, their usual sort of comfort zone and, and, and surrounding and really talk to people with completely different viewpoints and different, uh, different ideas. Um, and also if you come from the politi political, when you have a political background, we encourage you to talk with people from the startup world in order to think differently about your idea and about how, how you can implement it. Um, and that's why in our network of coaches and mentors, we have uh, people from the startup world, from business, from civil society, from politics, from all the different democratic parties. Um, and, and this really creates this, this innovation um, uh, room where, where ideas can be developed further and thrive. You, you mentioned before political entrepreneurship is the new shit. <laughs> so can you elaborate on that a bit? Why do you think so? Um, I think it's just for people who want to have a, a social and ecological impact and really mm. change something for the better in the world. I think that politics is really just the field where you have to get active in. So I think also in, in, when I left university, everyone went to, you know, consultancies and big sort of corporates. And then later everyone went to startups. And I think now is actually the time where if you want to have an impact, you should just go into politics um, Either you, you try and run for politics or you develop new ideas for politics. I think there's a lot of opportunities coming up. There's, mm -hmm. The political landscape is changing so fast because it has to, but also because really, and we have to mention it, is, is democracy is really also in a crisis. So we really all have to work on, on, on making democracy uh, work in the 21st century. And I think we can be role models in, in Germany and Europe. And... Um, there's a lot of windows of opportunity coming up, so I can only encourage everyone to, to take those windows of opportunity and try it out. Yeah, um, I mean, with that, we want to jump over to our second block, actually, talking more about politics and what, can, what it can look like and who should go for it. Um, and touching upon what you just said, if the, is it, if it's actually the case that political action is so aspirable, mm -hmm. then there is this controversial question from the audience, actually. Is the saying true, good people don't go into politics? I wouldn't say that this is true. I think there's really great people in politics, but it's a really tough job and it's becoming increasingly tough. So I think what we have to make sure is that the polit political structure, but also our population uh, is such that good people can remain good in politics. And I think that also politicians actually reserve the, the respect for the tough job that they do. You know, it's, it's hard to bring across solutions to work with the structures. It's hard. There's fake news. There's, you know, communications is, be is becoming increasingly difficult. So I think it's, it's, it's really it's my admirable uh, for the people, the people who, who do actually take that decision and do service to, to community. Um, and then I also think that one thing that we need to look more at, and this is also what Joint Politics is looking at, that the recruiting system in politics or the way that, you know, the political career works is such that good people get chosen for politics and that good people make it to the top of politics. So I think there's a structural issue here. And that's why at Joint Politics, we, when we 
decide which you know potential politicians, political talents, political entrepreneurs we choose. We are, we don't only look at the idea that they have, um, but very much at the personality um, and and their values and the why. I mean, why they go into politics, their ambition. And and what are characteristics you're looking for here? Um, so first of all, I mean, I guess the personality you need kind of depends on what you want to do. So if it's like running for office, you need a lot of charisma, courage, uh, you need to be good at communications. If you want to build a movement, you need to be a community organizer, like a local leader, you need to be energetic. If you have a specific topic that you want to bring into politics, you can be more focused and like a passionate fighter for this specific topic. But overall, I think what, what is important for everyone is you need you know, you need a lot of courage, you need emotional intelligence, you need ambition, and, and you need to have a reason why you go into politics. It can't be, oh, I want to have power, oh, I have to want to have, um, you know, I want to be known by everyone. Um, it's an ego question as well, right? You need to have something that really drives you and this will to, to bring about a positive change for, for society. And we also have a charter of values at Joint Politics, so it's also written on our website. There's a lot of um, values that, that we think are important for politicians in the 21st century. And that's, for example, the fact that they, are, they should be future-oriented, of course. They should bring a lot of integrity. They need to be open, self-reflected. So those are certain characteristics um, that, that we look for. Super cool. I, I think we've touched upon this several times by now, but we've never really explicitly talked about it. There are still at least in our probably very subjective view, but there are a lot of people complaining about politics, but in comparison, very few going into politics. So mm -hmm. do you have any explanations uh, for that? Why is that? I think there's a lot of uh, reasons for it. One reason why people don't go into politics is uh, because the job is so tough and because it's hard to get in and through the structures. So there's a structural issue here. And... It's, maybe it's also some kind of preconception sometimes about, you know, what politics actually mm -hmm. means. And to be honest, I also think that it's a bit of a problem that so many people complain about politics but don't do something themselves. I think this is, I mean, it's maybe got to do also with collective psyche or, or collective, like a collective view about uh, politics. And I think we, what we should all realize is that we can't just complain about those people there above in Berlin or the politicians, but we all have a role to play in making um, democracy work. We all should, you know, try to, to bring about change and be this, you know, by going into politics ourselves or, or supporting people who are going into politics or, you know, doing voter activation campaigns or even going to vote yourself. There's so many things that we can do to make uh, democracy work for everyone. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a follow-up question here, and this is actually also from the audience, and I think it ties in very well, because still we see most people in politics going through this classic ox path, as you called it once, and like the classic one, you start in your village, then you go maybe like at a higher level and then eventually at the state level. So how, how do you change that or how do you think about this? Why, why is this happening and how could it be changed? Yeah, so I think the uh, so-called oxen tour um, is something that has worked uh, traditional, traditionally and, you know, built about a, a very stable uh, democracy, what, what we've seen in the past um, uh, decades. But we also see that maybe the structure is not necessarily suited to our current times anymore. Um, especially young people are much more mobile. They don't stay in their hometown um, for a long time to, to actually do this way up the Oxen Tour. Um, but they're moving, be it for studies or for work. So I think the political parties need to think about how they, they open up that system, how they make it more digital, more and more agile, how, you know, meeting structures are changed to fit the realities of, of um, people nowadays. And I think there is some change taking place um, within the parties, but I also think it's not taking place fast enough. I think this is one thing that we need to think about and where maybe, uh, you know, some, some of the talents we support will, will be able to bring about change from within the parties, but maybe also from the outside. 
And, and this is definitely one, one thing that, um, that we're thinking uh, a lot about as well. But I also think that there's other opportunities than the classical Oxen tour coming up. And we see that a little bit already. You know, um, if you're a political talent working on a specific topics and you get certain renown for it, be it via uh, media channels or in your community, there is ways to, to jump faster than doing the classical Oxen tour because everyone is starting to realize that you know, we, need, we also need other people. We need younger people. We need people with different backgrounds. We need the so-called Quereinsteiger who, who have a different work experience and, and bring their experience into politics. So I think there's things moving here and I hope that we can contribute to, to making the system a bit more uh, flexible. So you, you're saying that with maybe joint politics could be like a Kickstarter into, into the political careers where if not fully involved yet in politics, it could be a good point of entry. Yeah, so we, we can help. Basically, the, we're always looking for the entrepreneurs, right, who, who also take a different approach to things. And what we can really provide is a supportive um, infrastructure with connections, with networks, with mentors, with the start capital so that, you know, you have some freedom for some time to really work on your idea. And, and it's not only the people who can actually afford it from, you know, wherever they have the money from, who have a chance to try, but we want to enable everyone um, uh, uh, to try. And I think this is a very important supportive infrastructure to make people um, really uh, start um, their their political political career. Yeah. So when when applying for joint politics, do I already need like a concrete project in mind? Let's say I'm passionate about education and climate action. Then would that be like this interest alone be already enough to meet people there and then develop an idea, or do I already have have to have a concept for changing the German education system? Yeah, so passion is great, but you also need an idea and a first, a first concept of what you want to do. So you need to convince the jury of joint politics, the talent committee, that if we support, if we choose you out of all the applications uh, we have, then you're going to be able to really kick off your idea and you know exactly what you want to do. And those, I mean, things change, you know, your plans can change, but you, you know uh, what you want to do with this support for six months and how you, how you fast track the idea so uh, you need to have this first concept and you need to hand in a sort of political impact plan so this is i mean like if with a startup you would uh, talk to a vc or present your your idea you also need not your business plan but your political impact plan and so this is the stage at which we uh, start supporting people if you're a bit earlier in in the thought process we also have like regular uh, open hours where we talk to people, where we brainstorm ideas, where we connect people. This is like a pre, the, the sort of pre-seed phase uh, that we have. Hmm. Super interesting. Do you have any exemplary country that is doing very good politics and in what way? Or yeah, I, I just, it sounds like a dream, you know, I, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't have the one exemplary countries that is doing really good things. I know there's countries, great policies for certain topics. We see that other countries are a bit more courageous when it comes to testing new approaches. Mm -hmm. We see countries, you know, looking at France, they have, there's a new party en marche uh, coming up and, and we'll see how, how well uh, that eventually um, uh, works out. I think there's not the exemplary democracy, but maybe the perfect democracy also can't exist because um, also politics is never perfect. And I think uh, the best thing we can do is having something uh, flexible enough, um, but also eventually democracy is, is lots of lots of individuals working on a vision together for, for their country and for their world. And as long as we're all responsible citizens, I think we can make great democracies work and avoid some of the things, polarization and extreme movements that we have and are currently seeing in some countries. Where do you see the biggest challenge for Germany there? I think the great advantage that we have in Germany is that we have a relatively stable democracy mm -hmm. and that we have been really working hard as a nation on getting that at the same time, the greatest challenge is that this leaves less room for innovation and mm -hmm. for testing new things. And I think sometimes we're a bit too um, scared to, to be courageous 
Um, but I think we need to be in these times. Also, in like now, there is actually some exciting times coming up with the new uh, Bundestag uh, election. So there will also probably be some change um, then. So it's coming up on the 26th of September. Maybe this is a bit a shift of a topic, but how can we, like, what would your recommendations be that we can make an informed decision actually on who to vote for? So the most important thing is getting informed, not only listening to certain certain bubbles of information, but actually reading into what the parties have as as proposals and solutions for politics, looking at the the programs of the parties, even I know they're very long and, and complicated, but there's also summaries and there's tools like what's what's the name? The Valomat. The Valomat, for example. So it's really getting informed about the content, but then also looking of course specifically at the people that you can vote for and who you trust will take the right decisions. I would love to hear your opinion there now that you're mentioning it. What if you, and I like just disclaimer, I'm Austrian, so I'm not voting here. But uh, what if you really like the program of a party, but you're absolutely not happy about the person leading the party? What do you think about that? Is this just something you have to live with or really vote for the people, as you said? Um, I guess it depends on how much you really don't like the person. <laughs> and w how bad do you think it would be if that person uh, was on top to take decisions? But I guess eventually it's always a trade-off, right? You need to mm -hmm. take the, the people and the, the, the content that you most agree with. It's better than not going to vote. Okay, so you would search for the perfect trade-off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that sounds like politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you really can't decide, um, then choose the perfect trade-off and think about how you can get, if you really don't like the people out there, uh, think about who you'd like to see there and tell them to apply for joint politics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So actually, we were wondering then, like making this informed decision now, coming up for the Bundestag and so on and getting out of the bubble, actually like, Maybe this requires also a lot of time. So we were wondering, what does your news routine kind of look like? Do you like read a lot of news then? or? Yeah, I, I, I read a lot of different newspapers, but of course I also, I'm also active on social media and I try to follow very different people so that I make sure that my social media challenge don't be, turn into a bubble, but that I keep track of all the different points of view that there are. I think that's an important, like a, a good thing to do. Yeah, okay, so, so to break, break the bubble and the Instagram recommendation, you have to sometimes like pictures that you actually don't like. <laughs> Or follow people that you don't always agree with. But it's difficult, uh, it's difficult. I think we definitely need some some innovative solutions on the fake news uh, front and on the on on the media consumption and, and political uh, sort of education front in order to to make this um, work one last question here we always ask our guests to ask a question for the next guest and our last guest was daniel metzler who is the founder of isa aerospace And his question to you um, was if there's one thing you would like or one law you would like to see changed in politics and you could be chancellor for one single day, what would you change? Oh, there are so many. I would, <laughs> one answer is, no, this is not a good answer. I, I, I want to have 10 more of these uh, wishes. Okay, it's hard to decide. You can also give us three. <laughs> okay, so one one thing I would definitely look at is is how we can make tax law more more transparent and effective. Mm -hmm. But I won't. But I think I, I need a bursary or a stipend to to work it out properly. <laughs> I think I would need I would change the HR system within parties, or I would work on on a way how HR and political parties can become more professional <laughs> and transparent. I would probably also bring about a law to limit term limits for mm -hmm. if, if I was a chancellor, I would probably say from the out front, this is the maximum of time, amount of time that I want to remain the chancellor. Okay. So Why that? 
because I think you can also, I mean, I, I, I'm biased, right? I've seen a lot of African leaders who have been there for, I don't know, 40 mm. years or something. And I don't think it's good for a country if it's always the same, the same ideas and the same person on top. Mm. Although, of course, it can, it can give stability for, for some time. I have so many more ideas. I would uh, try to see if, if there's a way to get away from the seniority and regionality principle to also free up some slots for persons with specific skills where we say, okay, this is really something that we'll, we need to work on and we need someone with a background in, I don't know, be it medicine or biochemistry or, or you know, IT. So I would like to see some space or incentive to get uh, more people of diverse backgrounds into politics. This is probably the first one I would pick. Okay, so like getting more and more different people into politics with different points of view and shorten the innovation cycle and getting more ideas into it. I think this makes sense, giving everything that you do at John Politics so very cool ideas. Definitely. So the last one, Carolina, is our toolbox. And we ask this to every guest, just a few short practical answers. Your personal toolbox. So is there any book you think everybody should read? <laughs> I mentioned Winners Take All, the elite route of changing the world. I think it brings about a an interesting and different point of view that is worth thinking about. Nice. What app should everybody download? This is a difficult one. Maybe um, looking at our times, the Nina Born app. What <laughs> 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 Nachrichten app. <laughs> nice. Although I think that one needs some development, I've heard. But yeah. Or another one that's interesting is Bundle, where you get you can choose all sorts of different newspapers and you can choose which topics you're interested in and you get actually an overview from different, mm. different newspapers, which is interesting with regards to what we just talked about, about having an informed point of view. Nice. That would definitely help. So what is a podcast you love listening to? Mostly awesome. <laughs> nice, cool. There's, there's another one I'd recommend, and that's um, Making Sense by Sam Harris. It's also a, a very interesting one to, to think big. Yeah, nice. Is there any routine you follow? There's quite a few. I meditate every morning. That's uh, an important one for me. Nice. And any innovator everybody should know? So... There's very interesting political innovators coming up and I would recommend that everyone has a look at jointpolitics.org uh, and the innovators there. <laughs> nice. I think that is awesome last words, Carolina. Thank you so much for taking the time. As said already, you're our last episode of this season, uh, so we do not have a next guest uh, you can ask a question to. But I think this was a very, very nice last episode and definitely super, super cool insights. Thank you for being here. Maybe I can ask a last question to the audience, to everyone listening. Ask yourself, what could be your contribution to politics? And who is a political talent in your surrounding? Tell them that we're currently looking for talents and there's an application phase till 15th of September. So spread the word. All right, we'll make sure to also reach out to the audience. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, it was fun. So Tim, what do you think about our recording with Caro? Yeah, so I think the do-it mentality that she brought now also into politics is very inspiring. I love that she, I mean, she talked about her entry points into politics and how she kind of saw that people were complaining and then there were topics arising and then just saying, okay, I like I have this knowledge from working maybe at the Siemens Stiftung and see what social entrepreneurship looks like. And maybe I can actually bring this into politics and then just starting this incubator that I don't, I'm not, I don't know for sure if this is a concept that was around before, but just saying, okay, let's just go for it and, and do it. And let's change, mm. let's change this landscape that is there right now. I think that's, again, very, very inspiring yeah, to see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really liked that she was, I felt like she was really idealistically driven in a way. I mean, this is also sort of present in her CV, but I found it very interesting that she then arrived 
um, at politics because I think also in our bubble, this is not so present, maybe not as present as it should be actually. And we're mainly focusing on entrepreneurship and talking a lot about impact, but actually she's completely right when saying that through politics, you can really have an impact and that this is something that, yeah, we should really all have a look into at least. That was, I think, my key takeaway. Yeah. And yeah, I think I can only agree with that encourage some of our listeners to maybe like reconsider, maybe politics could be something for you. Um, maybe have a look at what uh, politics is doing. It sounds really like a good entry point, a soft entry point maybe into the field. Yeah, for sure. Lisa, that's uh, that's a wrap for season two, actually. Our last Crazy. and final episode for season two, 12 episodes in total. And before we let all of our listeners go for this season, we thought uh, we'd want to do a quick recap first, kind of talking about with what expectations we as hosts kind of went into the season and then what our key learnings were. And lastly, what you can expect uh, for the upcoming season. And yeah, with that, Lisa, what were your expectations going into <laughs> season um, two of Mostly Awesome? My expectations. Wow. I mean... I really hoped that we could provide some very diverse insights into what different people do in completely different fields, because we're all in the stage of figuring out what we want to do with our lives, right? And there are just so many options and there's really no right or wrong. And I hope this came across a little bit with all the different people and different backgrounds we had on the podcast so I think this was like the main thing I really wanted to achieve what about you yeah I mean back then we had a lot of like chats about okay what is the content of the episodes mm. and so on and then we fixed on this personal journey topic and I know that we had this discussion saying do we think that our guests have that they all have this one main driver that really kind of drives them throughout and, True, yeah. and I think that was super interesting now to talk to these different guests and then see, yeah, okay, will there be this one driver that is like the personality and drives them throughout the entire journey or is it changing mm. and shifting all the time? And that was the, the key question I had back then. And then, yeah, we tried to invite different guests in the different uh, fields. So then um, already moving to our second point, what was your key learning? My key learning was exactly on that point that I think some guests that we had, it was very striking how they, for some, it really seemed like a, a straight journey for Jakob Asman, for example, founding this sustainable energy startup uh, right away and kind of sticking to that or Daniel Besendorf being at Allianz for most of his career, almost all his career, Hannah in academia and so on. But then for others, maybe Dan Ram is the, the prime example here, shifting <laughs> different, looking into different fields. Maybe Anna first doing a startup in fashion and then going into sustainability. I think, yeah, for, for some guests, it is this very straight line. But for, for others, it doesn't mean they find something they're really good at. And that's also very valuable that they know, okay, this is what I'm really great at. And then they keep on doing that, although it maybe means sometimes switching fields. Yeah, for sure. I think this is something they all had in common, like no common backgrounds, no common stories. But for sure, I think they were all quite, quite happy with what they were doing at the moment. I think this unites them in a way. This is pretty cool. Yeah. And you could really tell talking to them, this passion kind of mm. throughout, like just being being they're very passionate about what they're currently doing or what they did in the past and pushing to find some boundaries and see how, how far they can push that's yeah very yeah. inspiring how about you what was your key learning then <laughs> well i i guess i also already mentioned it sort of that there's really no right or wrong in career choices 
And that sometimes it's also fine to just start doing something and not plan out the whole journey because it anyway comes other than expected. And also that there are so many different fields, right? And that there's really not just entrepreneurship as it might sometimes uh, sound or look like right now at CDTM, but also uh, in our surroundings, I guess. But there are also many, many valid careers and actually like maybe even more impact impactful careers because what 97% of startups fail. So yeah, I think it, it was in a way also broadening um, my horizon for sure. And then, of course, many, many key learnings regarding podcasts. Looking back at the first episodes, for sure, there were some big, big steps in moderating and aligning and having conversations rather than interviews and yeah, getting input and feedback and having follow on questions, including new ideas um, that also came from the team. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's true. And also including the audience more, also having some questions from the audience. I think that also was more and more for the later episodes, which was uh, very cool. So, of course, we would like to keep uh, the conversation going. So whoever wants to reach out to Lisa or me or anyone from the team, you can always uh, write us an email. We will still be available there or, of <laughs> course, on LinkedIn or wherever you find us. Please uh, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah, reach out anytime. And I'm really, really excited um, for what's coming next and how the podcast is going to develop because this is, of course, always something very individual. And we also invited guests that we personally were excited about. So now we're handing it over to the next hosts, which will be Keke and Maria. And they're not new at all to the podcast. They have been a substantial part of the team for almost since Tim and me started to moderate here and so a long long time and now they're gonna take over the mic and do the interviews and I'm really excited for the new touch they will give the podcast and I hope our listeners will enjoy this as well yeah so we will only go into the summer break and then mostly awesome will be back for the start of the new semester so stay tuned for the next season for season three Yeah, Lisa and me, we're now excited to finish off this season. And with that being said, thank you all for your support. And we hope that you had also a great journey along uh, the way. Exactly. And one last time, huge thanks to the team, which is Maria doing the content, Kike the editing, Annalena the marketing, and Frederick doing the vision of the podcast. Cool. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon. 